1: Women make up 51 percent of the population in this country. However, only 23 percent are in the U.S. House of Representatives and 26 percent in the Senate. In business, the number of women running America's largest companies has hit a new high. 37 of this year's Fortune 500 are led by female CEOs. But I can tell you right now, it's not enough. And while that's a small victory, those numbers only represent 7.4 percent of the 500 businesses on the ranking, yet they make up 51%. The numbers don't add up here. We've gotta do something. So what needs to happen for women to achieve more parity in the C-suite? My guest today is Gayla Jennings O'Byrne. She is the co-founder of Walkstar Fund and a company that invests in women of color entrepreneurs. Gayla, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett.
2: Thanks for having me. And thank so, you for all the it, listeners
1: that have uh, uh, signed on. This is amazing. It, it is so much fun. And so it's so good to be able to educate people because, you know, I've always talked about diversity inclusion. I have done my very best to make sure that and whenever I do a program, you know, any program publicly, that at least 50%, at least 50% of the people who are on stage are women or people of color. And I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to even do a better job of that and and that's important to do. So what do you think needs to happen to achieve more parity in the C-suite?
2: You know, the biggest thing that needs to happen is we just have to trust that talent and outcomes and deliverables can be done by people that may not look like us, may not have yeah. gone to school with us, may not live next to us, but they are just as competent and as and have talent and worth and value. And sometimes we just have to, let go of you know loosen our grip i think of it like a car right you buy your teenage son a car and he's good great dad you bought me this car i love it and then what do you do if you kept him in the back seat the whole time you did all the driving have you really given him a car
1: yeah well why why is it taking us so long to come to this realization to take this long for us to be able to say, not just for women, but people of color to reach executive leadership?
2: Uh, You know, it's it's power, right? And we've seen throughout history, right? Romans, the Greeks, Shakespeare, Hamlet, all of these, right? Power is a thing that's very hard to share, right? Even though we teach kids, share your toys, share in the sandbox, right? Power is a very hard thing to share, right? Because it makes up our identity, who we are.
1: Oh, without question. And, and especially for a lot of white males uh, without, I mean, I, I get it. I totally get it. I want one of the things I was in a discussion with somebody the other day and I said, look, you got, we have to get more people of color. And this was another organization that I belong in. I said, we got to get more people of color up on that stage. And this was a very, uh, very heavily white, very heavily male, in fact, in that call, there was probably 40 people. And in that call, there was only two women. The rest were all white male, not one other person of color. And so we were talking about Black Lives Matter. And I said, look, it's, in, it's in important for this group to take this as a cause and that we drive this because we're the most successful in this industry right there. In and in those two windows on Zoom, I said, this is the creme de la creme of the industry. All right. We're seen as the thought leaders we're doing. This is what we have to do. And someone said, yeah, but we have to make sure that the people are qualified. And that was their excuse for saying, well, we've tried this, but we can't find people qualified. I said, the problem with that statement is we're not going to fix anything. We're going to get stuck with the same white guys and, and a few token women. Wrong. I said, the problem with the statement is you need to say you don't know enough people. In your universe to be able to do that. And you need to widen your universe. Isn't that one of the things that people should start to really call people out on uh, in with this issue?
2: Absolutely. I think that's right. And I'll give you another example of how that manifests. I'm in the investment world, right? Venture capital. We invest in startups. And yet, with all the billions of dollars that are invested in startups only 1% is invested in black led companies or people of mm-hmm. color led companies yet the data shows us that they would have 30% greater returns women themselves last year generated over 400 billion in revenue and if we had all invested right i am but if we had all invested together that number would have been 1 trillion and we would have created 4 million new jobs but what happens is and kind of you know similar to the example you gave is that we're still putting these blinders on, yet they exist, right? The talent's yeah. there, the qualified people are there. And in this case, I mean, the American way is innovate, profits, create jobs, grow the economy. And so here you have this segment of the startup world that is doing all of that, right? And so what would be a good investment? We're still not investing. So we got to ask ourselves, where's the isms (laughs) that are holding us back? And so you're absolutely Mm -hmm. right. The question that was asked is an ism of sort. Now, is that person, I don't know if I can use curse on here, but is that person a
1: jerk? Yeah, you can, oh, No, you can use curse words. You can use curse words in my deal. I call people assholes all the time. So yeah, you can do whatever you want to say.
2: Well, I'm bilingual. I would say I'm trilingual, but my Spanish isn't that great. Um, But you know, is that person a jerk? I don't know that they're a jerk, but there's definitely some isms and limiting questions and beliefs that he has. And you pointed it out very well.
1: Yeah, well, and I think it's important. You know, I had uh, Rolanda Watts, we talked about this. She's a, she's uh, one of our contributing editors here and we've been talking about it. And of course, she's she's black and, you know, people who just say, hey, I don't see color. What what the heck? Of course, you, you, Gayla, you're a black woman. I see that, okay?
2: Yeah, <laughs> okay. Listen, see my color, see my experiences, right? See me for <gasps> who I am. That's all anyone's asking, right? Like all of this is about being seen and heard and respected for who we are, that, that's it. And, you know, I want to go back to something though, when you talked about, um, now that all of this unrest is happening, right? All this marching and protest is happening. Yeah. You guys immediately got together and said, you know, can, can we address it? Can we start having conversations? I would say, let's be careful in rushing out to just put black and brown and people of color on panels and think that we're allies. Um, yeah. I'm workshopping this phrase. I'm, I'm I still got to work it out some, but um, I'm calling it black impact porn. Hashtag black Ooh. impact porn.
1: Yeah. So you probably I, don't want to just put black porn. It's not a good thing, yeah. but the impact I think is black good.
2: Porn. Yeah. I yeah. yeah. Lose a lot of friends that have great conferences and yep. summits and have invited me to speak. But guess what? Here's the thing. Until we give the tools and in this case, it's capital is the, the biggest tool to black people, to invest in black people, to make decisions for black people. Then really what we're doing is we're just perpetuating black impact point.
1: Right? I, to- I totally agree. I mean, what you're doing and what what many of us will do, all right, is put a black filter on it. You know, we're basically just put layering something over the top and we're not getting to the fundamental issues, right? If, you yeah. know, some people would call it whitewashing. In this case, we're blackwashing or brownwashing. We're putting a color on it, but we're not getting to the real key fundamental issues of what is driving that. And that's the stuff we got to get to.
2: Yeah. And here, here's another way to think of it I get invited on different panels and conferences and And it's great, right? I I want to go because I want to educate and I want to champion. I want to tell everyone how amazing the space is of entrepreneurs. But while those are very well-funded organizations and funds and conferences, I'm still on that Greyhound bus or that Bolt bus getting there, right? Sometimes I don't even get to stay in the hotel where the conference is at because I'm not as well-capitalized, right? And so we've got to think again, like, are we really doing the work that we say we're going to do? Um, I'm working on an op-ed, um, and maybe I'll share it with you and get your your thoughts on the a draft of it. But um, you know, I have a line in there that says, "If we don't invest in Black people, investing in Black people, then are we not part of the problem ourselves?"
1: Totally, a hundred and fifty percent. I don't know if you saw a statement that I made last week with the C Suite Network, but I called on companies. You know, to do more than just do, you know, hit the quota, hit the mark, hit the number, put the people on stage. Start investing in black black owned companies.
2: Yeah, I mean, start listen, finding.
1: Me- I thought spot on.
2: No, listen, find the investors and in the funds that are investing in them. Right, we had an announcement uh, by a large organization who shall not be named, but a hundred million dollar fund they announced to invest in people of color. You know how this is going to go in two months. They're going to call me and say, hey, Gaila, come be at our conference. And by the way, bring five of those black women startups you invest in because we don't know where they are. So that's really yeah. what got me thinking. Like it kind of feels like that bachelor party or that after party in Las Vegas where it's like, hey, come to the party and bring five of your friends. Right. That's sort of where that black impact porn came from, by the way, it was just sort of that. <laughs> that big, but guess what? It feels icky, right? It's, it's,
1: and um, it, it does, but you know, at the same time, I know that it's they're, they're int- yeah. And I know that their intent is real, right? Yeah. I, I really, no, I don't think anybody says, Hey, I want to start off to do it badly. They want to do it right. They just don't know how to do it. That's one second. They don't know who to invite or where to go find it. So they, they find out, Ooh, there's it's not, this isn't as easy as I thought, Right. So so I think that's where you got to reach and find. Pardon?
2: That's why we're having conversations like this. So and part of it's lending my voice to it. Right. So I've got to say, hey, I know where those great startups are. I know how to do this work. Right. I know how to do it with you. Right. Here's what I need so that you can be successful in getting your goals done, because you're not a jerk. You're not a, you know.
1: Uh, well, you know, sometimes, maybe sometimes. Maybe sometimes I'm a jerk. You know, because we have bad <laughs> days. We all have bad days. But,
2: I, I, you know, believe the, it, I believe in the good in people. There's there's more good people than
1: I do too. I do too. And I think I think that's a great statement, by the way. Uh, everyone should start off with the intent, I believe in the good of people. Yeah, and then let them prove it. I when
2: the when the marches end, we will be all better for it.
1: Without question. But, but you know, in this case, and I think this is a good piece of advice that you're giving here for people looking to make an impact in this area, is to find the people that are doing it and partner with them. And I think that's an excellent, excellent suggestion. You know, because if you got a heart, I've said this thousands and thousands of times, if you have a heart problem, go to a cardiologist, not a general practitioner. If you Got a muffler problem, go to Midas. In this case, you got, a, you got some race issues or you got, an understanding issue, I'm gonna call a black person and I'm gonna call somebody that's doing it. That's my first call was to Rolanda Watson. So Rolanda, you might not notice this, but I'm white. (laughs) But she's a good friend. And I said, but I need help navigating this issue. Would you come and and be a diversity advisor for me personally? Come be my diversity advisor. because I wanna do the right things, I wanna do it correctly. I don't wanna stick my foot in my mouth. And my heart's in my intent. And she, I said, but, but, but can I have the permission to also make a mistake? Because, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, and she said, absolutely. And then Greg Williams, who's one of our, he's a negotiating body expert. And of course, he's black and he's one of our thought council members and you know, just meaningful conversations. Now, oh, this is so good. This is exciting. So let me take a quick break. We're we blew past the first break, uh, because this is so good. Let me take a quick break. We'll come right back.
0: C-Suite Radio.
1: Hey, we're back and we're live on LinkedIn and Facebook. This is awesome. I am here talking with Gayla Jennings, the co-founder of Walkstar Fund. Now we're talking about equality and investing and opportunities to invest in communities you might not have thought of before because you didn't think that way. Now we're here to open your mind, open your wallet, okay? And then that's gonna open your bank account because you're gonna be able to make more money by thinking about how you redo things what would be the first piece of advice gateway that you would give to somebody looking to make an impact one, because I think a lot of people are making impacts here, but it's also good sound business advice. What should they do uh, when it comes to uh, investing in black owned businesses?
2: I think the first thing they should do is ask their financial advisor and ask another human being, how do I get involved? Yeah. Right. The best resource is human resource. So I can give you a bunch of research. I can give you a bunch of reports. We have on our website, a list of funds that are run by people of color, right? I can give you all of that. But I'd say the first thing to do is reach out like you did to Rhonda. How do I get involved? How can I help? How do I help a black owned business?
1: And it's not just black owned business. You're doing all women of color, right?
2: We are. Listen, the world is diverse. And so we're investing in diverse companies that are building really cool stuff. We've got one woman who's working on a COVID-19 test. We've got people doing things in education, and finance. I mean, the technologies run the gamut, virtual reality, AI, 5G. Um, These are the innovations that we all need in the world. But guess what? They happen to be being built right now by diverse teams that have great women of color representation on them. Let me tell you this, Jeff and all those that are listening. That iPhone that you have or that Android or Samsung, I'm gonna get in trouble with all the brands here (laughs) because I know I'm gonna forget one of them, right? But that phone you have in your pocket or your, your purse, the caller ID on it, the call waiting, the ability for data, to get your email and go onto the web from your phone. All of that technology was invented by a black woman. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: Caller ID, call waiting, fiber optic cables. Now, I'll add two more to that. The button that you press on the plane to signal the flight attendant or the CCTV security video system black women invented those. So innovation is there. We just need people like you and I to invest in it. You can do your donation on another, in another way, but you're investing and pushing out great innovation. That's what being an ally is about.
1: That's exactly right. I like that. So ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Gayla Jennings O'Byrne. She's the co-founder of Walkstar Fund located in New York City. So make sure you check it out and keep going back. What As as an investor in, let's say, the, I don't know, in this COVID world, where should I be investing in right now, if at all?
2: Yeah, no, this is a great time to be investing. Um, You know, if you think about in other economic turmoils, some of the best companies came out of there. Uber, Airbnb, Snapchat, all of these great companies that we now know came during those crazy chaotic times. So. Where should you be looking? I'd say start with anything that's going to help in the new normal. So things that we're seeing are how do we work differently? What does that mean in terms of how we put our employees and our work processes together? A Lot of great technology coming out to address that. Education, it's gonna look very different. So EduTech, we've got two great companies that are working on how do we work with children with special needs in a remote setting? How do we engage parents? given a remote setting. So any of these things that are gonna look different in what I'm calling the new normal, those are the places to be investing because those are the companies that are gonna be doing really well and they're building for the, the services and products that you and I need.
1: So speaking of that new normal and with what you're doing with, with Walkstar, how are, you, how are you changing the trajectory for smart investors and startups and dealing with this new normal?
2: First thing we're doing is educating. Um, you know, we talked at the beginning about isms and assholes and racism. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a, it's a learning curve, right? And so it's understanding that this is smart investing. And so we do a lot around that educating people on that. And then we're doing a lot to just show them success, right? I can talk to the cows come home, right? You and I can talk to the cows come home, but, Listen, winners love winners. The world loves winner. And so the best example is a successful example. So we are just investing. And so we say to people, listen, if you really want to know about this, write a check. Tell us your number and put it in the fund and join us on the journey. Get to know the the women. And so we actually even ask them, like, outside of a check, what can you bring? And some say, I ran XYZ company for years. I can give perspective of CEO. I'm, you know, a lawyer. I do, you know, I have a CMO of this company. I can bring that to the table. And we say, great, we'll take the check and we're going to get it to these great companies, but we'll also take your talent and your wisdom if you'll allow us.
1: Well, speaking of writing a check, I need to get one. Hang on just a second. We're going to take a quick break. I'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. I am talking live with Gawa. Jennings O'Burn. She is the co-founder, and I hopefully the CEO, but at least I know the co-founder, mm-hmm. right, of Walkstar yeah. in New York City, out of New York, and they're of course investing in women of color businesses. So, how big? You, we've talked about writing a check. Gayla, okay, well, right before this, what if I want to invest? How much do I need to think about investing? And can I can I just send you five bucks, or does it have to be a little bit more than that?
2: It has to be a little bit more than that. Um, so we've got different tiers that we can take. Um, but for people, you know, listen, this is investing. This is venture, right? So it's still risky, right. right? It's not the blue chips, right? It's not the IBM and, and stock of that nature. Um, so, but if people are looking at, to invest, right, right? Um, in this category, um, I would say they should really think about starting at ten thousand. Right? There's different ways you can get in the space. Um, for a fund, though, we really look for people that can put uh, a comfort a number that's comfortable to them. Um, yeah. but, but we 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 help people get in at any number. Um, and you know what? Listen, I'm talking a lot about WalkStar, but there's a whole bunch of great funds headed by people of color. And so we actually have on our website, a list of those funds as well, and even angel. So, so someone who's got only a thousand or maybe 5,000, right? We've got ways for them to get active, but at the end of the day, everyone should get active. Everyone should be investing. And so we'll make it happen. Um,
1: No, I get, I get, I get why you do that. Why would but some people are probably thinking, why would you put competitive funds on your website?
2: I'm a venture capitalist. I'm a builder capitalist with a heart. At the end of the day, I want to see really good companies get very well capitalized because I want those products in the world. I want us to have better supply chain technology. I don't want to run out of products when I go to the grocery store when the next pandemic hits. I want all of our kids to be educated well, so I want those technologies out in the world.
1: I love it. Crazy, I think that's right? a little crazy. No, you, can it's,
2: say it's, it. you can say it, but not, you know, listen, I, I subscribe to all, boat, you know, rising tides lift all boats.
1: It's not crazy. It's smart business. The more you give, the more you get. That's a fact. Listen, Gala, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to have you. We're going to have to have you back and talk about some of the funds, who's doing what, who's doing it right, maybe even who's doing it wrong, And maybe even
2: and maybe What's even that? our podcast on your platform. We gotta figure I it out. I can't wait. We're we, we excited. Got we, the record. We've got to we gotta be there. Need to
1: get, we need to make that happen. We'll make that happen. So Gayla Jennings O'Burn, the uh, co founder of Blockstar. Thanks so much for being in all business with Jeffrey. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Hey, at the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. Coming up next, I got Jessica Rhodes from Interview Connections talking about how to get on podcast. So we'll be doing that right after this. Uh, but with Gaia, what did I learn? I really loved the conversation. It was, it was very lively uh, going back and forth. But I got to tell you what I liked the most was what is your isms? I thought that was pretty good it kind of picked up out of there's a lot to learn from the whole conversation it just pays to invest in diverse inclusive businesses okay it does without question just like I've said for years and years and years that it pays to have all those folks leading your staff on your staff part of your team to be reflective of the communities that you serve that's what they should at least be at that level okay but Uh, In the meantime, what are those isms that get in our way? I think that's a good thing for all of us to be looking at right now, isms, isms. All right, that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hizlett. And uh, of course, we're on C-Suite Radio. Don't forget, we've got lots of other podcasts we'd love to introduce you to. uh, And I would love you to introduce us to many of your friends. That's how we grow. Thanks so much. And I'll see you again on All Business with Jeffrey Hizlett on C-Suite Radio. Hey, it's no secret, I'm a big proponent of the power of podcasting. It's not for hobbyists anymore. And they're being used as a business marketing strategy for enhanced forms of content. That's right, content, content, content. Right now, 40% of small business owners listen to podcasts with 72% of business owners with 100 to 500 employees do too. Our advertisers tell me all the time, they love the affluency of our listeners because we're a business-to-business podcast network right here on C-Suite Radio. Jessica Rhodes is a leading expert on how to leverage podcasting to increase brand awareness. She's also the founder and co-owner of Interview Connections. Jessica, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel.
3: Hey, Jeffrey. It's
1: so good to see you. Good to see you. Look at you. You got your headphones on. You got your mic. You're all official. It's awesome. It's awesome. (laughs) Thank you. How long have you been in the podcasting world?
3: I have been in the podcasting world since 2013 when I founded Interview Connections. We were the first uh, booking agency to market. So we have been behind the scenes booking interviews and hosting our own show for over seven years now.
1: Yeah. I think I remember running into you at a podcast convention a number of years ago.
3: Oh, yeah. We've met each other a couple of times at these podcast conferences.
1: Yeah. You run around and of course you're you're located right there in Rhode Island and I hear all these great things. You've been very active in the school there and foster care. And I even I even know that you have a, a cat named Kitten. Doesn't that get yeah. doesn't that get confusing?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a whole story behind that. It's actually adopted kitten from my business partner when her father passed. So that kitten has brought my partner and I together.
1: <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. Um, so how did you come up with the idea to start a podcasting booking agency when no other businesses like that existed? I mean, that's a specialty.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I did not wake up one day thinking like, I'm going to start a business of podcasting. It was really out of a desire to have a home-based business when I became a mom. And my dad, who is a business coach, he said, I will absolutely help you be an online entrepreneur. There's so much opportunity and possibility when you have your own business. So he became my first client. And one of the things I was doing for him was booking him for podcast interviews. He had already had his show. We started his podcast in like 2011 or 2012. So I started booking for him just as a virtual assistant. And as I was reaching out to podcast hosts and booking people on his show, people were saying to me, wait, you do this? This is a service you provide because nobody was doing it. And now a podcaster can't go two days without getting a pitch. But back then, it wasn't oh, yeah. something people were doing. And so I really just had that light bulb moment as an entrepreneur where I thought, this is really fun. People really want it. seems like there's a need for it. So I created Interview Connections. And um, yeah, like you said in the intro, it's the first agency of its kind.
1: You know, I, I must get between 80 and 120 a day uh, of people wanting to be on the show. And mm-hmm. uh, it, and it's amazing who's coming on the. you know, I get on the show. I mean, heads of state, uh, you know, celebrities to, you know, to uh, business titans. I just got a call from someone who's the former secretary of commerce, you know? So wow. yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I saw the power of a podcast, uh, you know, a number of years ago, what it can do to your business. Now, many, you know, kind of dismissed it at first and said, well, it's some kid in the basement talking to his friends, but more and more businesses are really using it. So how long does it take to see an ROI from podcast guesting?
3: Yeah, this is a strategy that you really need to dedicate to, you know, you need to commit to it long-term. This is not something that you can dip your toe in the water and try it out. I mean, some entrepreneurs will come to me and say, can I just do, you know, 10 or 15 interviews and see if it works. And it just doesn't work like that because when people hear you on a podcast, or they listen to your show, that's often the first time they're meeting you or getting to know you. And you just can't expect people to make a multiple thousand dollar investment in your company and your service or your product when they hear you for the first time. So at a bare minimum, I would say at least a year you need to dedicate to going. On a show every single week. I mean, this is my fourth interview this week alone. We are just constantly getting out there because it just multiplies your brand awareness. Every show you do, you have, you know, hundreds or if not thousands of people that are learning about you, hearing your story, um, being motivated by, by what you have to say, and, and loving your personality. And that's what really grows your business. So it's not something you want to just do a couple times and stop. You want to do it long term.
1: Yeah. And you want to do it often. I, you mm-hmm. know, I actually do an interview a day. Now, not just me interviewing other people. I'm talking about being on other shows. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, it pays off. It. There's no doubt about it. I get people who, I, I got two today who said, hey, I heard you on this. I heard you on this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's just a nice note, but other times it's, can you come speak? Would you be on my board? Can I talk to you about that company? You know, uh, may I buy your book? You know, there's all those kinds of things. I think it's important. What kinds of increase in brand awareness are you seeing with podcasts right now?
3: Yeah. I mean, and I have to just comment that this connection happened. I mean, we've met each other, but your producer heard me on another show and then said, Hey, I listened to your interview on this podcast. And so it it really does, you know, when you do it consistently, it does multiply. You, You do get even more exposure. Um, and the type of brand awareness that we're seeing with podcasting is, you know, our clients are seeing multiple six figure returns because like I said, people hear you for the first time on a podcast, they kind of join your community. Maybe they join your Facebook group or your email list. They might buy in at one level and then ascend up into your business, maybe into higher level coaching or consulting. That's worth you know tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in your business. So if the returns are insane from such relatively small audiences, when you compare it to things like TV and uh, you know syndicated radio and stuff like that, when you're on a podcast with even 500 of the right people just one person can result in a huge opportunity. Um, you know we've had posts that will invite the guests to speak at major conferences like you said people reach out. So the brand awareness and the possibilities that are created when you get in front of targeted audience is just countless.
1: <laughs> I say this it's not about hearts and minds about uh, it's not about excuse me it's not about eyeballs and ears it's about hearts and minds you just mm-hmm. need one you know and I've said this in front of major major CEOs. Um, or CMOs when they're talking about making investments in, you know, digital TV, or in this case, podcasting. And, and an advertising person will say, well, how many clicks? Uh, how many downloads? And I say, wrong question. Wrong question. You, what you want to know is how many, how many do you need,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: Because all you need is that one or two as a result of that, and you're, you're, you're set for the year for the cost of this. What's some yeah. of the big pitfalls? Well, I tell you what, let's take a quick break, and then I'll come right back after this message c-suite radio hey we are back and we are live right here on linkedin and facebook i am talking to jessica rhodes the founder and co-owner of interview connections we're talking about all about getting on podcasts booking podcasts being a guest on podcasts and podcasts in general and how good it is for your business and we were talking about uh some of the brand awareness that you could get now let's talk about some of the big pitfalls for entrepreneurs who invest in podcast guesting strategy? What's a, what's a, what's, what's a problem set that might occur for an entrepreneur?
3: Yeah. One of the biggest pitfalls that I see is having a poor mindset around the opportunities that could come from podcast guesting and and being on other people's shows. When people go into interviews on podcasts, kind of, you have to really manage the ego because this is a strategy where most of the shows are pretty small like we said in comparison to other types of media you know a good show with really high end affluent you know potential clients you know could have 500 people um and so you want to make sure you have the mindset of this is a great opportunity not like oh this is a small show or what am i going to get out of it you need to have a mindset to serve without expecting something in return because when you go into it expecting and micromanaging the results like how many clicks did I get or you know how many people joined my email list the day after my interview went live that is going to that's a huge pitfall because you're constantly going to be disappointed because the results don't always happen the moment the interview goes live sometimes people hear your interview make a note in their phone and call you a year later and say hey I listened to your interview I made a note yep. because it wasn't the right time for me then but it's the right time for me now and if you give up or get disappointed that the show didn't produce results then you miss out on the opportunities
1: that could come down the road. I would just to be exact, I'm laughing as I'm listening to you. Not not because what you're saying is funny, but, but it's so true. I just got a call from someone who heard me two years ago on another show and just asked me to take a consulting contract for like a quarter of a million bucks. Are you kidding me? That's uh, so probably I an hour
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. But,
1: but if you're sitting there waiting for it, you know, with a catcher's mitt or a bucket waiting for the cash to come pour it in. You're saying, that hey, look, it may happen, but no, that's not really the thing you want to do. So what about back-end systems? What, what do you need to have in place uh, when you're getting booked as, an, as a guest
3: expert? Yeah. And this is a perfect question because, you know, another pitfall and leading into what they need with the back end systems is not putting too much into the opportunity. You get out of this what you put into it. So when you get interviewed on podcasts, you need to be posting about it. You need to be sharing about it. When you get booked, when you're recording, when it goes live, inviting, you know, the host to connect with you, maybe they're a good fit for your community and inviting them to get connected with you or reaching out to listeners. When you have listeners reaching out to you, having systems in place where you're capturing their information, you're getting them on a consult call. So making sure that you have systems in place to maximize the opportunity and you're not sitting back doing the interview waiting for the host to do all the work for you. You know, you need to be really putting in as much effort as possible to the interview, because again, you get out of it what you put into it. So it's having those simple systems in place that if you're going to send someone to a landing page, making sure it's a well converting, a high converting landing page, you know, making sure that when you get someone on your email list, you're emailing them, you're, you know, investing in your email marketing and your sales funnel and your conversion strategy. So you do need to look at the whole marketing strategy of your business and not expect just that interview to drive all the results.
1: So what should be my call to action on a podcast interview, you know, if my goal is to get new clients, new business, what's my call to action?
3: Yeah, so I love consulting with clients about this because I don't give one size fits all call to action. You know, obviously landing pages with the lead magnet are very popular, um, but a lot of our clients that want to get high-end, you know, consulting clients or we have financial planners that work with us, they offer a free consultation. And the important aspect of that, the key factor there is positioning your free consultation as high value and making sure you also have the systems in place to take in an influx of leads if you are going to put that that out to really great audiences, making sure that you can actually have all of those calls. So we have some of our clients that will position it as you're going to speak with a member of my team. We're going to help you have a breakthrough and one way or the other, you're going to get a free copy of our ebook when you schedule that call. Um, So that would be my advice. If you really want to get clients, like get them into the sales funnel in the most direct way possible in a way that's free because you don't wanna be selling your service at the end of the interview. This is a, you know, a free earned media opportunity. It's a pitch-free zone, but you do want to give an offer to listeners that allows them to connect with you and kind of get into your funnel in a way that provides them value.
1: Hey, we're talking live with Jessica Rhodes, founder and co-owner of Interview Connections. We'll be right back after this quick break. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we're back again live and live casting on LinkedIn and Facebook as we bring you all business with Jeffrey Hazlett on C-Suite Radio, the world's largest business podcast network. And we're talking about podcasts and how you can get on them, how you can use them and what's your call to action and what's the ROI. And we've already proved there's an ROI, you should have a call to action. And I, you know, Jessica, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about, you know, what is your call to action be ready. You know, it always reminds me of this old phrase, and I've said this before in my shows, but I'll, it bears repeating. You should walk in like, for those of you who don't know, way, way back, there's a guy named Henry Kissinger, who was very active in politics, very powerful, Secretary of State for a number of years. And and uh, so he walked in a press conference one time, and he said, hey, what questions do you have for my answers? <laughs> That's the way you should approach a podcast. You should be thinking about... Okay, no matter what you ask me, you don't make a difference. And pe- people do that all the time with me, Jessica. They, mm-hmm. The interviewers always want to go over the questions with me. I go, just ask your questions. Yeah. <laughs> just ask your questions. Whatever it is, exactly. there's nothing you're going to surprise me on. And second, you know, if I've got, I've, I've got to be good at what I do. And second, I know what I'm going to say anyway
3: hmm. Absolutely. You need to be able to talk about your topic for hours on end without anyone asking you questions. And if you feel like you're going to struggle with that, then you might want to rethink a couple of things like you need to be able to talk about what you do um, at, at any point in the conversation.
1: What's your pet peeve about podcasts?
3: <laughs> about pod, like a podcast in general about folks. yeah
1: a podcast <laughs> or a podcast host or show like for mine I can't stand when they say hey Jeff tell me a little bit about yourself
3: what? yeah <laughs> look it's Sorry. your show
1: yeah you <laughs> should ask me what the heck that kind of question do your freaking homework you know
3: yeah I think that one of my pet peeves like as a listener is if I'm tuning into a show and the beginning of the episode is telling me to subscribe rate and review because I just started listening. So you haven't given me a reason to subscribe, rate, and review. So I think kind of the obsession around subscribe, rate, and review and do something to, like for my show before you've given me value, that's one pet peeve that I have. So I always would be like, do that at the end. like Give them a great episode and then you can ask them, hey, if you enjoyed this, then you can come, you know. And, and the, with like the guesting as well, that happens when, you know, hosts will say, well, I'll have you on if you subscribe great review. It's like connect for an interview if it's a great fit and we're all going to do our part, you know, we'll listen, we'll subscribe, we'll share. Um, but kind of like, holding it against someone to do it, to get something, it just feels a little slimy to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I always do that at the end. I always thank everybody because I'm so grateful for people listening. And you know, mm-hmm. I'm still surprised that we have so many people uh, that, that download. By the way, the average uh, podcast, business podcast, is between 22 and 27 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and if it does really, really well, most of them might get to 2,500 downloads an episode. So yes. if you can do that, that's a big number. That's a fairly big number, quite frankly.
3: Exactly. If you have, I think it's 3,600 downloads per episode, you're in the top 10% of podcasts yeah. on iTunes. And people hear that and they're like, oh, wow, well, I'm doing great. <laughs> There's like a <Yeah>. million <laughs> active podcasts on Apple. And so you don't need that many listeners to actually be in the top you know, 10 to 20%.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, and you want to think about it again, that hearts and minds versus eyeballs and ears and things. What do you think is the next best thing for the podcasting industry?
3: I think there is a lot of great softwares being created to help with discoverability, because that is something like if you look at a Netflix or a Prime, they're constantly giving you recommendations of shows. And I think that is a missing piece that, you know, networks like yours help with, you know, we've got a great network because listeners really, they go onto their podcast app and they're like, I don't even know what show to listen to. Like they kind of have to rely on a personal recommendation. And so there's great networks that are out there. Um, you know, people that are creating softwares and apps to help listeners get better recommendations. So I see a lot happening kind of on the tech side of podcasting to help more listeners find more shows for themselves to listen to. Yeah.
1: And a lot of us think, you know, oh my gosh, there's so many podcasts, and there are a lot of podcasts. But um, if you look at the lifespan of an adult and compare that to podcasting, we're still in the young teenager age. Okay. Oh my gosh. So there's I know. A lot. Yeah. It's a lot to go, a lot to do. We're going to figure it out. It's been a great medium, and uh, metrics are getting better. Everything's getting better. And advice from p- people like yourself, uh, Jessica, are awesome. So thanks so much. Talking Jessica Rhodes, if you're you're looking to get on podcast, check her out. Interview Connections. She's been doing this since the podcasting kind of got started. She's been at at this at the beginning, and it's just a really reputable firm. So encourage you to take a look at Jessica and her team, and uh, go get famous. But more importantly, besides getting famous, Go own the category. That's what you do by being on the podcast is you own the category. And let me give you the three big secrets about podcasting and about promoting your brand and you, content, content, content. There you go. Jessica Rhodes, thank you so much for being on All Business with Jeffrey Hazler. Thanks,
3: Jeffrey.
1: All right, we'll turn you loose. Hey, I'm gonna circle back with you. There's more we gotta do together.
3: Some okay, bigger great. things,
1: you know, we're growing like we're in the hockey stick. You know that, you know, the mm-hmm. hockey stick of growth. Mm-hmm. I'm always, yeah. I always, I have keep telling everybody, I've always been the handle. And now I'm way up here. <laughs> oh, and cool. It's, it's, it's awesome to be at the front end of that. And we're doing it with the podcast. Our podcast network is just, it's just huge. It's just every day. Um, I got a headache because of problems around it. But yeah. it's all kind of good headaches, you know, and having to deal with it. And we've got new advertisers coming on and new guests. And it's just been a pleasure. So thank you. The end of every show. I like to talk about what I learned. What did I learn today? It was reinforcement of what I've always said. We're not in this business right now of eyeballs and ears. That game's over, done, left. This is a digital marketplace now. You want to find left-handed women size fourteen shoes who play volleyball or softball? You can find them. Okay, you don't just have to go after all women or young women or white women, black women. You just you can find them. Exactly. This is a game about hearts and minds. Okay. So we were talking about the numbers, man. She said, if you were 3,600 downloads, uh, you're at the top 10% in the world. Whoa, 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 mind blowing. Okay. And I always been telling most average business podcasts are getting about 25, 2,500 downloads. Now that's not going to make you famous, but it's going to make you the leader in your category. And that's what you learn, uh, right here in all business. Uh, with Jeffrey Hazel on C-Suite Radio. Please tell your friends, and I look forward to seeing you again soon. Cheers.
0: You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com.